Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we are going to discuss the federal government's spring regulatory agenda. Welcome, Carly. Thank you, Miles. On June 22, 2022, the executive branch released the spring regulatory agenda. Wait, was it still spring on June 22nd? That seems kind of late. <laughs> Carly, that's a great catch. The first day of summer was June 21st, but you know, it's close <laughs> enough for government work. <laughs> What's 24 hours here or there? It's right? still still the spring. I thought I was a procrastinator. Okay, so what, uh, what do we need to know before we get started? I'm sure there's a lot of insider stuff we need to know. Well, just like our economy runs on energy, the government actually runs on acronyms. <laughs> I can believe that. Abbreviations. <laughs> In fact, they have an abbreviation page. And I'm just going to run through a couple of these that are applicable to our podcast today. An ANPRM, which I lovingly call an ANPRAM, mm -hmm. is an advance notice of proposed rulemaking. It's a preliminary notice. It's published in the Federal Register, and it announces that an agency is considering some kind of regulatory action. So ANPRM, AMPRAM, that's that's what it sounds like in Ohio when I'm around. <laughs> it's kind of like a tornado watch instead of a tornado warning. There you go. Okay. There you go. Then an NPRM, or Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, is a document that the agency issues. They publish it in the Federal Register, and it actually describes and solicits public comments on the proposed regulatory action. And so there's all kinds of requirements for what we need to know is an ANPRAM is advance notice, a notice, NPRM, it's notice, it's, it's really coming. There's another thing that I'm going to actually say in that, and it's a RIN, an R-I-N, a regulation identifier number. And I'm going to say that not because it lengthens the podcast, because don't need it longer for advertisers. We don't have advertisers. But if you want to look it up, if this says, oh my goodness, I don't. I need to know more about it. You can Google Mr. RIN number and you can find what it is we're talking about. Okay. Well, that was really helpful, but you only mentioned three, so I imagine you left a few out. Uh, well, you caught me, Carly. So, yeah, there are others. If you were to get the documents that we, we pulled from, from the site, uh, you'd see FY, which are in uppercase, that's fiscal year, CFR means Code of Federal Regulations. There's a bunch of obvious ones. And again, there's actually a, an abbreviations page on the Reg Info site, uh, the, which is where this agenda is published. www.reginfo.gov. Well, and we can put that on online so listeners will have that link. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. Well, how many items are on this, in quotes, spring unified agenda? Carly. Yes. Get out your calendar. Oh. Truthfully, I don't know. What? 
I don't know how many items are on the spring regulatory agenda. What I do know is that there were 66 agencies listed on the pull-down menu, mm. but a lot of those, they really won't impact our shops or our employees. You know, Farm Credit Administration, don't spend Not a really lot of us. time. Okay, get okay. it, get it. Yeah, the National Archives and Records. I'm glad there's a National Archives and Records Administration, but not going to impact precision machining. Our team at the Franklin Partnership, hats off to Omar Nashashibi and John Guzik, they combed through all that stuff wow. and prepared the list of what I call the high potentials, and there's 45 of those. 45? Yeah, just for the spring agenda. <laughs> we, fall agenda's coming. Okay, Miles, if we cover 45 items, this is going to be a very long and very boring podcast. Well, I, I will assure you and our listeners, it will not be long nor boring. We're going to name the top 20. Actually, I think we'll just deal with 10, and then maybe we'll do a follow-up with the next 10 that we feel professionally could have an outsized impact on, on our listeners' shops or their performers. We're just going to mention the agency that issues it. There's seven agencies behind the 20 items that we think are really high impact okay. uh, that made our priority list. We'll describe the area of impact, the target date given for the action, and whether it's a final rule, notice of proposed rulemaking, that's that NPR, yeah? uh-huh. uh, or the and PRAM, the ANPR, right? Right. And uh, some of these could really, the reason we're doing this mm -hmm. is because some of this might imply you need to do some major capital spending in a year or two. What? What? These rules could force you to make a capital investment? I didn't think that's how it works. <laughs> well, there's, there's two proposals for sure from the EPA that will likely ban two chemicals that are used as cleaners in some of the higher tech shops. So while you might be able to find, and we could help you find suppliers for replacement solvents, it's not a drop-in replacement. You're not gonna have the same efficiency, the same effectiveness, the same cost basis. So you're trying to run these solvents on your old equipment. So. Hello, major new unexpected capital investment if you use a cleaner or two. Ouch. And there's some other things as well. All right. Well, I guess we can talk about the other major impacts as we get to them. Let, let's get started on this list. All right. Department of Labor, apprenticeship programs, labor standards for registration, amendment of regulations. The RIN number is 1205 AC06. This is a final rule, Carly, and it rescinds IRAPs. Now, rescind isn't to rescind, it's to rescind, it's to pull back. My pronunciation's got a little, little <laughs> thing going on there. It rescinds, you know, there's a bunch of 29 CFR subpart B stuff here, folks, but it rescinds the labor standards for the registration of apprenticeship programs including the status of those standards recognition entities and industry-recognized apprenticeship programs, IRAPs. 
Wow, that is economically significant and also handicaps our shop's flexibility to train our craftspeople to industry-recognized standards rather than the traditional time-on-task standards. I'll bet you hate your job when you have to deal with this kind of thing. I really do because industry-recognized standards is going to give us a way to really create the workforce of the future. And now they've got to go in and put in their thousand hours of watching the machine yeah. before they move to the next step. So, yeah, not not liking this, but here it is, and we're working on it for the benefit of our members. Yeah. What's next? Heat illness prevention in outdoor and indoor work settings. Again, Department of Labor, OSHA, the RIN is 1218-AD39. This is an ANPRAM advance notice of proposed rulemaking. And the date for this, Carly, is mm -hmm. June 2022. It's July 2022. Well, yes, it is. <laughs> it is. So, But this is government work, remember? Right, 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 right. I don't really want to get into this. We could probably do a podcast on any one of these, and that's just... That's, That's true. not the scope of, of our employment here. But basically, here's, here's the thing. 80 degrees is where this new rule says, hey, it's 80 degrees. You've got to change practices, processes, whatever. 80 degrees is, is hot. Well, I got to tell you, I got in-laws in Arizona, and they don't think 80 degrees is hot. It's 100 degrees to walk from your car to the shop <laughs> door in Arizona. My mother-in-law would probably have a sweater on at 80 degrees. 80, 80 degrees, right, yeah. right? Yeah. So, that's, you it, know. That's just across the board. Yeah, 80, 80 degrees. degrees, 80 degree, degrees With is or without humidity. Magical blah, blah, blah. threshold for heat injury and illness potential, 80 degrees. I, I wish my grandparents were alive to hear this. They just take those administrators and let's go to the next one. Next one. one. Next one. I try not to do that. I'm sorry. Mechanical power presses, RIN 1218-AC98. The current OSHA standard on mechanical power presses does not really address the use of hydraulics or pneumatic power presses. Additionally, the existing standard is about 40 years old. This is another June 2022 oh my target gosh. date I as thought well. you had issues with calendars. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's why I found my place. <laughs> so um, we want to make sure, you know, on behalf of our members and the industry, that any changes to this mechanical power press update doesn't make our legacy equipment obsolete. So on some of our old cam operating machines, in order to get a hole drilled, we'd actually use an air-powered speeder <laughs> to spin the drill, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that this power press rule doesn't make that air power or pneumatic or hydraulic uh, accessories no longer usable because we've updated the standard. Um, imagine if you had that on all your machines, and now wow. you can't use it, right? Yeah, I, I, I have to mention, this list is really impressive. They are really industry-specific, so shout out to the Franklin Partnership, because, man, do they understand our industry. Uh, absolutely. They, they understand <laughs> metalworking for sure, and uh, there's not one of these that isn't 
you know, home run potential in terms of significant impact to our shops and the performers we rely on. All right, give me the next one. Lockout tagout update, RIN1218-AD00. This one is an NPRAM, the Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, and the date is March of 2023. Okay, well, yeah, that's not far away. It's not far away. I'm so, already planning a meeting for April of 2023. <laughs> ex ex exactly. Well, imagine if you knew that in March of 2023, this rule could make 20% of your installed capacity go away. What? Say that again? If this rule could make 20% of your installed capacity go away. Okay, you're going to have to explain that. Okay, so lockout tagout yeah. means you have to de-energize and then test the lockout to do any work, serious work, maintenance work. If you've got more than one employee on a machine, if you take off a guard, you have serious work to do, lockout tagout. There is an exemption called the Kershaw exemption. And it says if what you're doing, it's a single person, and if it, what they do is routine, repetitive, and you know, essential to the operation, that that doesn't require a lockout tagout because it's not unexpected, <laughs> right? Okay. So routine, repetitive, integral to the operation. If they make that go away, every time we need to just turn an insert. Yeah. Instead of just shutting down the machine, waiting for the fluids to kind of drip, pull the doors, and then use 15 seconds to turn the insert and then go back, if I have to take three or four minutes to walk away from the machine, pull a lockout, tag out, switch, lock it out, tag it out, come back to the machine, test my lockout, tag out. Now I've got to go, now I get to do my work. Now I've got to go back to oh. the lockout tag out, take it off. I've got to make sure I, I say, I could lose three or four minutes minimum on every time I have to insert or change an insert. How many tools on a job? How so let's say I have to just do that four times. Right. Okay, every 15 minutes I lose, oh, what do we say? Two, let's do two. So I'm losing eight minutes out of 60. Ooh. Three minutes would be 12 minutes out of 60. That's 20%. So if I, it takes me three minutes, and, and by the way, I'm no safer. It's still one person. He's just turning. She's just turning the insert, right? They've got control of the machine. They're, it's their domain. But I've just lost. 12 minutes out of 60, not counting any other downtime I have. Now, how many machines do I have? I'm thinking of the ripple effect here from one machine to a bunch of machines to that company to the next company. And it's not just our industry. It's all across manufacturing. You want inflation? Here's inflation. Oh, my gosh. 20%. Rule change. Rule change mm. costs you 20% of your operating time, potentially. 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 PMPA's on it. We've already commented. We've sent a time study in documenting this. We've commented, but we're on the case. 
Oh, I'm glad to hear that, but I don't know if I'm glad to hear any more of these. This, this, my, my, my adrenaline, my blood pressure, oh my I, goodness. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I, I don't know where we are in this either, either but <laughs> powered industrial trucks, design standard update, RIN number 1218-AD26. This is due this month, 07-2022. It's a notice of proposed rulemaking. Uh, analyze comments. So this is just an update. Should be okay, right? I would think. But when you read the comment, their, their description, the OSHA also says, in a separate action, RIN 1218-AC99, which I didn't find in this oh my. regulatory agenda, OSHA is collecting information to evaluate the need to update requirements related to the maintenance and use of powered industrial trucks and training of operators. Whoa. We've all got industrial trucks. Yeah, yeah it's going to impact. And, and that's just in a separate action that you that's can't just, even yeah, find. That's not even, it was a footnote in this footnote of we're just going to update the standard. Miles, I can see why you got into this. This is like a job security. I mean, there's always something coming, isn't there? It, it's it's an annuity of full employment. <laughs> it's a full employment annuity. So here's the next one. But Carly, before we get into the next one, would you mind sharing a bit of your personal medical history information with our listeners? Perhaps you could give us your address where, where they live because, you know, it's PMPA and we already know where you work. Um, no. Why would you ask me that? Uh, well, OSHA wants to improve tracking of workplace injuries and illnesses in RIN 1218-AD40. They've already released the injury tracking that they made us post online. Now they want to expand that. And so the employer's we're in, in manufacturing, we're, we're an employer that's covered by this. They're going to get details on injuries, all the information from this uh, 300-300A report. And they're trying to increase the number of employers to do this. Now, I understand OSHA needs information on injuries and illnesses to work on improvements for safety. But just posting it on the internet for everyone to see, posting it on the internet for naming and shaming, posting it on the internet in a small town where that may be the only employer and so-and-so's name, there's, now there's an injury in the description. I mean, this is not a safety purpose. I, I don't see the purpose of it at all. I mean, that, that is a major privacy issue yeah i'm with you on the safety yeah. stuff that that's yeah. important that has to happen but to what end are they listing all that other information it, it, it's it's not to improve safety outcomes because anybody with google that that's not improving safety outcomes. Ugh, so no. you know all right so all these have been from the department of labor osha right and there's more okay <laughs> the next one is a final rule its date is 12-2022 for the update to the hazard communication standard. That's RIN 1218-AC93. 
And the point of this, this used to be hazard communications. And in 2012, they turned it into the globally harmonized standard. And we want it to be all in the same hymn book, the same regulations for identifying hazards across country. Okay. So 2012, they did it. There have been seven revisions since. Wow. They want to revise it more. We're still struggling to get our people to understand their little pictograms and, and the way they do it. I still talk with people that call them MSDS sheets instead of safety data sheets, which is the official, uh, official you know, semantics. And by the way, in this, they also want to uh, um, formalize formalize some of their enforcement policies. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure there's a great safety outcome uh, by doing this. They feel better having a common language, I guess, across economies, but I don't know that we need to harmonize our hazards to those of the Germans or even the Canadians. I mean, they have their rules. I, I don't, I don't. Well, and at what point, if they've revised it seven times since, what did you say, 2012? Yes. At what point are they confusing advancement with movement? Because now it just sounds like they're, they're fussing with unnecessary things. How could you not get it? Are, are there, is there a new hazard every other year? I don't know. Fire <laughs> still burns, and 80 degrees is apparently a hazard. Well, so, there you go. They so just make up new ones. It increased complexity... But I, I'm not sure there's a benefit other than, you know, a checklist on some administrative scoreboard. All right. So that should be the last of the Department of Labor OSHA. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yay. Okay. Yay. There's some optimism. That's right. <laughs> I'll take that. So next up, Department of Commerce. Ah, okay. So... Typically, Department of Commerce wasn't a thing, and it would have been easy to overlook. We don't have any commerce. But the Section 232 tariffs on steel and aluminum put Department of Commerce on the impact map and the looming danger Will Robinson radar for our industry for sure. Okay, so that's the, the tariffs? That's the tariffs. So it's 232... And by the way, so far I've given you these as one RIN per topic. Yeah. There are actually four different items under Section 232. RIN 0694-AI31, 0694-AH55, 0694-AI50, and 0694AI86. All right, so are you talking about all four of those separately? I'm lumping them up as one major area because it's tariffs, it's steel, it's aluminum, it's our shops. We can't get the steel we need or the aluminum need and the quantity we need, the quality we need, the availability, and our price, as we've talked on this podcast before, we're hundreds of dollars, hundreds of dollars disadvantage compared to the Europeans oh, yeah. and maybe a thousand to the Chinese. So, And I know you've had a lot of conversations on this. Aren't we preparing to testify about this one? We, we, we are. We are. We're, they're 
having uh, hearings this month and we're preparing testimony as are a couple of our shops. Excellent. So what do these cover? These cover a termination of the 232 investigations. Sadly, it says investigations, not tariffs. <laughs> I was wondering why it said investigations. They have one on section 232 steel and aluminum tariff exclusions process. Probably ought to encourage them to do that. That process was never really functional to begin with, ah. but we don't really need the tariffs. We just took off the tariffs for national security. These are national security tariffs. I don't get it. Yeah. Proposed additional general approved exclusions for steel articles. I would be very careful here. That means we can exclude things that are coming in made of steel that are competing with our stuff. Oh. I, I, that's, mm. that's just a quick, quick look from the cheap seat here in Brexville, Ohio. <laughs> and Section 232 exclusions process, which is somehow different from 232 steel and aluminum tariff exclusions process. Well, Miles, good luck with these. I mean, our shops can't make parts economically if they can't get, can't afford the quality of material. The material's got to be right. For sure. I have two more items, and then perhaps we'll call it a day. I see Joe over here yawning and rolling his eyes. I can almost sense our listeners' blood pressure rising. How's your blood pressure? Oh, oh it, that's OSHA 300 That's right. That's yeah. right. That's medical. Well, it, it, it is, but it's <laughs> occupational. But we're not manufacturing. That's right. All right, so what's the next agency? The Department of Defense. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Department of Defense. So the Department of Defense has a restriction on certain metal products it's called a DFARS case 2021-D015, and the RIN number is 0750-AL33. This is uh, notice of proposed rulemaking, and it's due in September, 09, 2022. June, July, August, September. Oh, okay. September. Two months in the real world. Two months in the real world. So... They're trying to amend Section 844 of the National Defense Authorization Act, and it revises the um, prohibition on procuring covered material melted or produced in any covered nation. I mean, you see, you need to have cheat sheets just to read this <laughs> stuff, right? You really To do. procuring covered material, back to that covered material again, Mind refined, separated, melted in any covered nation. So I got my covered material list, my covered nation list, my oh my uh, gosh, covered application. You need a cipher. Right. So now it also amends the exceptions to the prohibition. Of course. By removing the term tungsten, tungsten, and substituting covered material. So covered material, covered material, covered material. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I obviously have homework to do on this one. It sounds like it. And I've got two months, maybe. I can maybe download two this RIN number and figure it out. Oh, my gosh. Right. Good so, luck. yeah, this is government affairs. Welcome to the exciting world. Of <laughs> I'm glad it's your domain. <laughs> I really am. Right. <laughs> so, drum roll, please. Our 
final item for this podcast is also a Department of Defense regulation. The RIN is 0750-AL68, and the title is a bunch of alphabet numbers coming at you, folks. <laughs> NIST SP800-171 DOD Assessment Requirements DFARS Case 2022-D017. This is actually said to be non-significant, but judging by the conversations I've had with shop people trying to get in compliance with this, this has forced them, in some cases, this is IT security for Department of Defense. Oh, boy. It's the NIST cybersecurity stuff. I thought I recognized that. You did? Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to people that have been forced to fire their current IT provider, have totally had to re-architect, redesign, re-secure, find a different cloud vendor. I mean, it has just been amazing. Wow. Systems, policies, procedures, consultants, vendors, everything possibly go out with the baby and the dishwater. (laughs) And the bucket, it sounds like. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it's, I mean, we want to have secure computer systems, right? We don't right. want to be subject to hacking or malware or any of this, you know, ransomware stuff. But um, if you don't have $100,000 in your budget to totally replace your IT stuff and, and hire the consultants and, and training folks and, um I mean, let's say it's only 100,000, Carly. I was going to say it sounds low, but that's a nice okay. even number. Okay. okay, well, we have 400 member companies in PMPA. Oh, my gosh. That's 40 million. And they said this was non-significant. To them, maybe. That's 40 million just to the 400 companies in our trade association. And what if we used the 3,800 shops that are in our NAICS code of Three three two seven two one. That's a lot of zeros. That's three hundred eighty million. That's a third of a billion dollars. Our output is twenty billion dollars. Wow, that is not insignificant. It's, it's insignificant, non-significant. Oh, non-significant, insignificant. It is extremely significant. Okay, so I've kind of jotted down a couple notes here. Let me see. Let me see if I got it. We've identified the latest 380 million in potential costs to get our computer systems compliant, possibly lost 4 billion in operating capacity as they change the lockout tagout rule as it currently exists, possibly lose our ability to use legacy equipment if the power press rule goes after some types of air or hydraulic applications, lost control of our performer's personal medical and health confidential information, and lost the ability to create industry-recognized apprenticeships to better our workforce. Miles, now I see why you are so passionate about your work on this. It really matters. It really matters. That's exactly I just... I mean, most people would have looked at those papers. I, you, you brought the stack in when you got it. Right. And, and you look like the kid who had a report due the next day and had to read, you know, War and Peace. And I, I think it kind of did. <laughs> it did. 
I mean, it was a lot to go through. Who has time to go through that? Thank yeah. goodness you're well, willing to do that. It, it's effective associating, Carly, and that's why we're better together. I can take the time. I can collaborate with the team at the Franklin Partnership. Thanks, John. Thanks, Omar. And work on the stuff that really matters for our shops, for our talented employees, and for their families whose dreams are becoming real because they show up and make the parts that make a difference. So that's, this is what I do, Carly. This is the existential joy of, you know, dealing with government and regulatory affairs. Next podcast, we'll review the next 10 significant items from the spring 2022 regulatory agenda. You won't want to miss it, listeners. It will include EPA and the Treasury IRS. Oh, IRS, CEQ, and NLRB. Our listeners can hardly wait. And that wraps up today's podcast on spring 2022 regulatory agenda. Thank you for joining us. Hope you don't regret it. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You don't want to miss one. That's right, and you won't regret it because now you are informed. And for additional information, please visit pmpa.org, where you can also search for articles, webinars, other podcasts, and more resources. And if you aren't already taking advantage of a PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see the myriad of other benefits. And why is a PMPA membership so important, Miles? Because Because we we are are better better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.